basically the whole Klal Yisrael is worried about each and every one of you. Because unfortunately, there's not 10 or 20 or 100 or 1,000. There's a lot, a lot of kids that are off the derech and that are challenged, challenging the system and doing the wrong thing and dressing wrong and eating wrong and talking wrong and walking wrong and breathing wrong and doing all kinds of terrible things. And there's a lot of people that realize that the best way to make them straighten out one day and come back is by covered in Yididus, to give them honor and respect and friendship and love, right? And that's what's going to be good for them. But then the biggest problem is, what about the other kids at home? What about all the other kids at home? Is it bad for them? And if it's bad for them, then how do you take five, six, seven, eight other kids at home and ruin their lives just because you want to save one kid? Are you allowed to do that? Okay, the Muncie bus is here. Muncie trails. Okay. All right, so the whole world, the whole world is worried about you. Whenever I go to speak to a big tzaddik or a big rebbe or a big rav or a big rosh Shiva, and I speak to them about what we're trying to do to be makar of our kips, okay, the first thing they say is, but what about the other kids? That's the first thing they say. So everybody's worried about you guys. And so am I. Because it's very, very difficult to live at home when you have a kid who is breaking all the rules and breaking all the normal stuff and going against halacha and mechal Shabbos and doing all the bad stuff. But let's divide it in half and I want your feedback. I want to divide it in half. There's one part of that it's hard for you that I don't care about. I mean, I care, but I don't care. I'll tell you what I mean. And there's other part that I do care about. In other words, there's one part that it's physically hard, that it's difficult, that it's a pain in the neck. Of course I care. But that's allowed. For you, that's a growth. For you, that's a rukhni stick of growth. If there was a kid in the family that got into chas v'shalom, into a car accident, and lost their legs... You would have to have a kid in a wheelchair. Unbelievable, unbelievable amount of physical work. You would carry him and change him and fix him and bring him. Nobody would say that it's bad for the other kids. Even though it's tremendous hassle, tremendous nuisance. Nuisance and hassle and time-wasting and difficult and all that stuff doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Because we have a sick kid in the family. You should give up for your sibling. So of course that's really hard. And I want to know about that also. We have to give each other chizuk to go through it because it's super hard for you guys that you have these other kids at home. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't be home. That means that just like with a physical illness, we have to step up to the plate and we have to take care of them and change them and tolerate them and love them because Hashem put someone in our house that needs that treatment. And we don't, we don't snip, snip. We don't cut people away. We don't say, oh, you're too much hassle. Bye-bye. Delete. Delete. Control-Alt-Delete. Okay, we don't do that. We say, if someone is physically ill or any kind of sickness, we'll do anything, if we have to, to take care of our family. Then there's the other part. Are you going to go off the derech because you see your brother going off the derech? Do you want to be like your sister? Are you going to say, you know what, maybe Tzniyas is not so important anymore because I see that 
she she does not sneistic, and my parents buy her short skirts, so then I don't have to be sneistic. Is it going to ruin your future life? So difficulty in physical or even emotional, it's a little bit hard for you, which we don't wish it wouldn't, but yeah, it's hard living with these, like you said, he's a lot, right? He's very needy. Okay, so for that, you you go. That doesn't mean we should stop doing this treatment on him because you go to to Hashem. He says, Hashem, please help me, give me the strength. I should be there for my needy brother, just like in other times. There were times in the, in the Holocaust. There were times in the ghetto, and people didn't have food, and their brother was outside starving, or their relative, or a stranger, and they gave away their bread for somebody else. So on the one hand, you have to be ready to give up for your brother or sister, and it makes you stronger. Like we just learned from the Chazanish, you're more of a Jew. When you give up for somebody. So if a sibling says, oh, this is no good, this TP, because you know I don't sleep so well, or I have to give up my pillow, or I have to give, oh, it's too hard for me, or whatever, that we tell that child that unfortunately it is hard, but you got to know what Hashem wants from you, and you got to grow up and stand up and stand tall and give up and stop being selfish and work on your midos. And if you do, a year or two later, you're going to realize that you're a much better person. You're a better person. That's for sure, right? But on the part that you're losing out, not physically, so that, that's what everybody's concerned about. Does that make sense to you? Challenge me. Ask me a question. Raise your hand if you don't agree. What would be the challenge to that? See, the part that we're saying is it's, it shouldn't be difficult. I can't tell you it's not difficult to have a brother or sister at home who's, who's a kip. It's difficult. Can't take that away from you, right? I can help you that you should realize you're doing the Ratzon Hashem, that you should realize you're doing what Hashem wants, and you should stand up and fight to help them, and be strong and give them and have covered for them and yididos and friendship for them and respect them and love them and make them comfortable. And that's your avodas Hashem. Avodas Hashem is sometimes hard, but it's still avodas Hashem. Yom Kippur is very hard. Doesn't mean we don't do it. Davening sometimes is hard, but we got to do it. So sometimes Avodah Hashem is sent down to certain people. That's very hard because you have something that you're going to benefit from. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But then everybody's worried. What about you guys? What about your ruchnius? Are you going to go off the derech? Are you going to start being not caring about school? Are you going to not care about Shabbos? Right. So how how are you guys doing? Do you feel that this is making you want to be... Do you want to be like your sister? We'll start with you. Do you want to be like your sister? No? Why? Because I see that she's different. She's different than you. But she can do... Hi, come on in. She can do whatever she wants. She doesn't have any rules. You have rules, right? Hi, come on in. Have a seat. You got tons of seats. You got up there. Some good seats up there. So... Right? She could do whatever she wants. Isn't she lucky? She's not really enjoying herself. She's not really enjoying herself. So, but, so, you have a bedtime? No. No. Okay. But you have rules in the house that you have to do? Yeah. Okay. So, do you feel resentful? How come she doesn't have rules? And you do have rules? No. Do you want, why don't you just do what she does and you don't have rules? But you can say, hey, I could just jump, drop out of school, and I also don't have rules. So why don't you drop out of school? I like school. You like school. Okay. 
If you're normal, you like school. Even if you don't like school, you could be normal. I never liked school also. You don't have to like school. But the point is that do you feel like you want to jump out of the out of the window and be like your kip, and then you don't have rules? Does that make you want to want to be like them? To get treated, you, you're going to get a television. I'm going to tell your parents to buy you an iPhone. You're going to get rewarded, right? So that's what some of the older people are saying. I don't understand. If the younger kids are going to see that we take their troublemaker and we reward them, so they're getting an iPhone and an iPad and they're getting a television and the parents are spending money on them. So the younger kids are going to say, wait, hang on, this is crazy. I'm going to school. I'm doing everything right. I, I want to be like them. I want to be treated like them. So they're going to go off the derech. Does, do any of you feel, I mean, I, I, maybe you're a little shy, but do you feel that you want to be like your, like your brother or sister so that way your parents will give you stuff that are not good for you? You see that they're not happy. You could see that they're not happy? You see it. In like a way you want to be like them because they get everything they want. So being bad, like if you go to school and you study for that, then you so well school and okay, yeah, you get rewarded, but like it's so different than working so hard and you get, I mean, you get stuff for like, Exactly. Now, that's exactly my point. So, you should want to be like him. Because he's suffering so much. He's such a hard life. Like, so, you don't want to be like him. Oh. How old are you? I just turned 13. 13. Okay. You could, you're, you, you're smarter than most therapists and psychologists. Okay? So, here's the thing I know that it's hard for you to see that your brother and sister are getting rewarded for doing nothing, okay? But we don't give them that stuff for the same reason that you get stuff. For them, they're getting the stuff, it's called medicine. Because we want it, they're, they're suffering, right? Smart, you can see that. You're suffering and in pain. And that's the way we treat people with in pain and suffering. So normally, when, oh, I got it, I got it now. Listen to this. When your sibling has a cough and your parents buy them very expensive $400 special cough medicine, if the cough medicine tastes horrible, so then you don't want it. But what if the cough medicine tastes like bubble gum? So it gets a little confusing. Whoa, the medicine, you just spent $400 and he's getting bubble gum. I want some bubble gum. Maybe I want to be sick. It gets hard when the, when the treatment... When the medicine is good stuff. And what she's saying is, you got to remember, I, I don't want this free stuff, even though it's good, right? But I don't want it because he's getting it because he's miserable. He's suffering in a life of pain. And he's not normal. So it happens to be that the medicine is not shock treatment. His medicine is not going to the psych ward. His medicine is not pills that don't... It happens to be his medicine is yummy, delicious bubblegum medicine. It's an iPhone, and it's limousines, and it's crazy dogs, and it's whatever he wants. So it gets a little confusing, because the younger, healthy kids say, hey, I want some of that medicine. But as long as you remember that the reason you're not getting it is because you're Baruch Hashem healthy, you don't want it. I want it, but you don't want it. Right? How much do braces cost? A lot. How much is a lot? Right? Like $5,500 could be braces. Five, over $5,000. So 
So you see that your sister gets braces, and you go to your parents and say, it's not fair. You spend $5,000 on her, I want braces. Now they're going to say, hang on, you, your teeth are not crooked. We, we spend money, if the teeth are crooked, we spend $5,000. Your teeth are barsh and not crooked, you don't get 5000 So you don't want the sickness, even though they're spending money on it. You're not jealous of them spending money on it, because, thank God, you don't need braces. But over there, it's not such a good example, because... Nobody really wants braces. You want the money. But what if the treatment for crooked teeth is a trip to Disney World? So the, the, the kid goes to the doctor, the dentist. The dentist looks at the teeth and says, oh, this is terrible. She needs a trip to Disney World. And the parents spend $5,000 to take the kid to Disney World. Then it would be an assignment. It would be hard for you. It would be challenging. You'd say, hang on, I want to go to Disney World. And you start pushing your teeth, eating lots of candy, so that's what I'm saying. That the treatment for these kids who are in pain, and not everybody sees their sibling. It's very deep of you that you were able to, and you were able to see that they're really in pain. A lot of people don't realize that. You only, when you stop fighting and you look at it in a smart way, you'll realize this kid is in pain. The treatment happens to be yummy, delicious, spoiling and gifts. But that's what we always got to remember ourselves. Um, thank you, Hashem. I'll be very happy not to need that. Please let me have normal rules, normal gifts, normal birthday gift, normal ups and downs. I'd like to hear the word no from my parents because that means I'm normal. Okay, normal chinuch, normal life. I'm very happy with that because it means I'm not mushuga. I'm not crazy. And my brother or my sister who's in a terrible place, who doesn't have a future, I fargin. How do you say fargin in English? There's no word. I'm okay that you should, dad, mom, spoil her. Give her, don't worry about it. Your Yerusha will be the same. Hashem will take care of you. You're not going to lose out. Say, Mom and Dad, give her whatever she needs. I want her to be healthy one day. And if, if, if a trip to the Bahamas is going to make her healthy, do it. If, it, if a limb is picking him up in a limousine every time he comes from Israel, if that's what's going to make him normal and not kill himself or not hurt himself, do it. I'm happy you should do it. You have my vote. But when you come back from Israel, you come back from school, you get nothing. You get like a peanut butter sandwich. Say, thank you, Hashem. That means I'm normal. You raised your hand before. You want to say something? No? Change your mind? Um, so I wouldn't want to be like my brother because he tells me himself like I'm not happy in my life. Right. He says it and he shows it. But like why would I want to be like him? Okay. There you go. So first of all, not in the beginning, kids are confused and they don't realize they don't see that the that they're that a lot of kids don't talk openly about their pain. Your brother is talking openly because your brother is in a very unique, special environment, which your parents built, you know what I mean? That make him so comfortable that he can actually say, I'm in pain. The first thing that kids in pain do is they block themselves. They don't say, I'm in pain. We don't have a thousand kids sitting on the floor crying. We have a thousand kids doing drugs and being Michal Shabbos. They make believe like they're not in pain. The fact that your brother can say, uh, I'm in pain, right, is, is a chidush. That only happens, I don't want to say only, but pretty much only in our TP families. Because the other families that are yelling and screaming, whatever, they never admit it. They're busy fighting all the time. So when he tells you that I'm in pain, then it's easier for you to realize, oh, okay, first of all, ta, ma, you got to take him on vacation. Do whatever you got to do. He has pain in his brain. And also it makes you not want to be like him. I 
to mental two issues is like where these clothes for young kids and everything. So I don't even think about it. I'm like, I don't know if she wants to be like me. Why do I want to be like her? Excellent point. How old are you now? Almost 15. So when you were younger, like when you were 12 and 13, when did I meet you? When did you come to my bungalow? Three years ago? Three? You're little kids. That's how I was like, you guys got so big. Okay, you were 12, I think, right? And you were 10. You're two years younger? I remember you were 10. So you were 12. Okay. Um, not everybody gets to come to my bungalow, okay? It's special stuff. I don't remember what happened, but somehow that's what happened. So, yeah, you were a little pipsqueak. You were 12 years old, and everybody in Kalal is worried, right? You're rough, worried about you. You turned out okay. Looks looks like you turned out okay. Not too bad. How about you? Me? You're okay? Good. All right. So, yeah, everybody's worried about you guys. No, you can't accept them and give them gifts in the house because... Look at the younger siblings. They're going to want to be like her and go off to Derek. I think your answer is very good. The answer is that could be in the beginning. It is confusing. Okay? And over time, it works out and you realize that this person is in pain, that they're really in pain. They're not normal. They're really... And then eventually, a couple of years later, you're able to say what you just said. Why would I want to be like her when I know she wants to be like me? Right? Your brothers, your sisters really want to be like you. Yeah? So I have a friend that their family didn't do TP, but... They, like, sent him away or something, and now he's so normal. Yeah, it could work also sometimes. Every situation is different. Hi. Every situation is totally different, and the expert in charge has to figure out what to do. Some people are sent away, and they do great. Some people are sent away, and they kill themselves. You know, no either way. And everywhere in the middle. And sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. My, my um, experience is that the best place for someone who really underneath everything is that they really want to die. They're not happy and they're struggling. The best place for them is at home. If the home environment can be created to be a safe place for them. There are some times where it can't be safe for them, in which case they have to go someplace else and we have to hope that someplace will will do well. You know, 15 years ago is when I got involved with all of this and I opened a home called Home Sweet Home. And I took kids on the street into my home, into... It was five minutes away from me, but they were really in my house every Shabbos, every Yantif. And I took three, four, five kids every year into my life and kind of raised them for a year with my family. Uh, when I closed the home, I made albums over there for every year. You can look at pictures, how these kids came in. So at that point also, I didn't think that they should be home. I felt like, you know what, give me the crazy kid. I'll deal with him. You guys stay home with your family. Just send me the cuckoo kid. And, I'll, and I was nice to him. And they Baruch Hashem did great. And now I realize that if every family can do that for your own kid, that's where they belong. Listen, there's some statistics. Out there in the world, there are families not doing TP. Shomrim is called all the time. Hatzalah is called all the time for what's called domestic violence. The kid is screaming, fighting, door slamming, yelling, punching, threatening, stabbing, um, pulling knives, all kinds of stuff. And Shomrim knows, and Atzala knows, that several times a week in our communities, they're called to a house because of the fighting between the troubled, challenged kid that we call Kip, Kid in Pain, and the parents or the families. And I asked them, how many calls did you ever get from a TP family? 
Zero. None. You guys ever, any fighting going on in your house? Um, so it's not like really fighting, but my brother, like we used to never fight, and now like he has dogs, so I really, I don't care about them. Like, I don't care. So like if I would like pick it up and just like turn it over, like, just like he was home or whatever, he always comes up and he yells at me like, how could you do that? It's mine. And like, she's, she's crying. It's not nice. Whatever she feels really bad. Okay, you shouldn't do that. Don't 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 start up with his dogs. Yeah, but even if I just like walk and like run stay, like she's walking me, but that's, I just like punch it away. I want to talk about that, but that's different than what I'm talking about now as far as you know, know him well, pulling a knife and calling Shomer Ratzala. Right, I know. But right. I'm just like, and then like he comes to me and like he turns me over and he shows me what I'm doing to her. So. <laughs> well, see, in a crazy way, I think he's proving his point. So how does it feel? <laughs> I don't care. I just like <laughs> Okay, I think it's kind of playful anyway, but you should definitely not do things to his stuff no, that he, he doesn't. Know he, like, starts, like, angry, Stop doing it. <laughs> I know, but even if I don't do it, if I just act, whatever, like, if you have a little sister walking here and you don't want to, like, push her away. <laughs> okay, so make sure he doesn't catch you. <laughs> also, there's another thing that you can do. If you build your relationship with him better, even better than it is, then it, he'll stop being annoyed in case something happens that's by accident. You can build your relationship with him better. You can do little stuff, a little card, some cookies, you're baking something, you do something, you, you increase that love, then when you give him stuff, he's going to not freak out at you so much also. It's a very good tip in relationships. If you ever have a relationship with anybody and you want it to be better, and you, you, you show them love, and you show them yedidus, friendship, and you buy them something, automatically it changes the whole way that they, that they react to you. It works a lot. Um, how can I, like, Okay, so really, relationships can be anywhere in the world. I have a daughter in Eretz Yisrael, and I'm very close to her, even if we don't talk. Really, it could be anywhere, anywhere that they are. It's a little bit harder when they're not home. In another way, it's a little bit easier, because when the kid is home, these kids are actually very, very, very annoying and needy. I don't know if you noticed. They're pretty annoying. But... You know, so it's like very hard to have a great relationship all the time when they're home. You're always, like we spoke about before, you're always busy with it and, you know. But if they're away, it's, in a way it's easier. You can bake something. I'm very into the baking because you're girls. You can bake. You can bake cookies and you can write, get a card. Or you can find something you think that your sister will like and you can buy it for her. It could be $3. It's not about the money for, for siblings. It's not about the money. Something you care about her and you can write her a note. I love you very much, and you can mail it to her. Do you know what her, what her address is? Does anyone know? So we could find out her address, right? So if she gets a box in the mail, and it's and it's gift-wrapped, and it's in another box, and she opens up the other box, she pulls out this gift-wrapping with a bow, and it says, missing you so much, a nice card that you buy in a store or that you write yourself, okay? Um, missing you so much, I love you, can't wait to see you. And in it is her... Favorite cookies or muffins or cake or her not favorite, your favorite, whatever is something, whatever, or a little something that you find that you know that she'll like, a lighter, a keychain. If there are millions of different stuff you can get, that will help increase the love. Do you have her phone number? No. Okay. So um, talk to me afterwards. I'm not sure who, who you are. I, I, I try to recognize everybody. I'm not sure who you are.
And I, I like I figure it out. Don't worry about it. I will figure it out because most of you look either like your mother or your father. Okay. Um, no. All right. I'll try again. Um, okay. So yeah, it's harder when they're away, but every once in a while, every couple of weeks, if you send something in the mail, then that'll help create a situation. Okay. Any other questions? Yeah. Is there kind of question that? Um, so like since he like since we started with TP. Excellent. It's very true. A lot of these kids are very grumpy um, and they're very immature. You're 13, right? How mature are you? I would say like 20. Okay. How old is he? Right. How mature is he? I would say like 13. Probably less. Probably less. <laughs> exactly. So when you're able to actually realize that even if you're a younger kid, to them, even though they're much older than you, they're really immature. They're really going through a hard time and it brings out the worst in them. So they, when you're going to be like the older sibling, and before even even before he comes down, is it you already did something for him, or you already have a, a, a snap on the thing, say love you, or something like that, and you show them that this is a safe environment where I like you and I respect you, a lot of the grumpiness goes away. Still, what's left over is other grumpiness that is still there, and it's just always going to be there, because they're just in a bad place. And when someone is in a bad place and doesn't have a life, they take it out on everybody around them. So that's part of this whole process of having like your own psych ward in your house where you have a chayla inside who's not doing well and who's not behaving properly and sometimes is obnoxious and realizing that we are going to try as much as we can to make them feel very comfortable, to have a safe environment here where we don't attack him, we don't look down at him. Going back to what I said before. So there's two parts of this. One part is that, of course it's difficult. Difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't do this. It's okay to have a sibling that's, that's in pain or that's not well, and that we give up for. In fact, the more that we give up, like, like we learned before, that's Avodah Hashem. That's what Hashem wants from us, to give up for your sibling. Even, even to sleep on the floor and to give them your bed. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't save their lives. On the other hand, everybody's worried that you guys are going to want to be like them. Right? And you're going to get weak in your ruchnius, and you're going to decide, why should I get married? Why should I graduate high school? Why should I get good marks? I can be like my sister, like my brother. I get an iPhone and an iPad and a TV. My parents go to Avi Fishoff and I'm for sure going to get a TV. Right? So that's the question. Do you want to, do you want, you want the easy life, right? That's okay. But do you realize that they're only getting it because they're not well and are you strong enough to be able to live in that environment? That's a very good point. Very mature. And, but it's, sometimes it's going to be stuff that you do need and you do want. 
but it's not normal for your parents to buy it for you. And you're going to see that she gets it and you don't. So it's always a trigger. Am I going to be jealous? Am I going to be jealous? My parents are spending so much money. How am I going to get married? Who's going to pay for my wedding? They're going to tell me I don't have a wedding. I spent all the money on him to go to Florida. Am I going to be jealous? Okay, hang on. You, you, you. Yeah. Yeah, so I could be, like, jealous sometimes, but it takes so much more to, like, actually make someone, like, go up there. It's like no one, no one wants to leave their environment. Everyone likes... How old are you? Fifteen, very mature. Nobody wants to leave their environment. Hmm. That's what I realized also. Nobody wants to be that kid that everybody is looking at and that's different than everybody. I mean, life could be pretty good in your environment. You don't want to be that kid doing drugs or being outside on the street. And so it's not an incentive for you. It's not like, whoa, I'll do that and my parents will get me a TV. No, because like... You know, How about two TVs? Go off now, and I'll give you three TVs. No. No? Not going anywhere? Okay. I tried. No, because, like, my sister even told me, she's like, am I, like, do people, like, talk about me? Like, am I part of, like, the bar park bums? Like, she doesn't either like it. Right. That's true. And and the bums, those bums also don't like it. They get pushed there. Yeah. So, to, first of all, um... I don't know about everyone else, but parents are so like bizarrely strange. Like, I don't want to be jealous of them. Not maybe just because they don't their siblings around his age, like that are the same gender. But, okay. Like, they're so weird. All right, that helps. If the presents are not things that you would be jealous of, that yeah, like, that helps. Just, everyone's like, she doesn't like care. Like, it's like most of us doesn't. Also, like. I want to watch TV. I'm 10 years old. I would have found a way, but now you know, like. But would it would would it make the Nisayan to watch TV harder for you because your parents bought your brother a TV? Or you have the same Nisayan? Are you? Is it make your ruchnis weaker? No, stronger. Because my ass and I like. And you don't. And it's not attractive to you. Right. Stronger. So it's like every Nisayan. If you're Ahmed bin Nisayan, you're stronger. If you're not Ahmed bin Nisayan, you're weaker. But what I find is that. A lot of people are not Ayman bin Nisayan, but that's that's just today. Give them a chance. They, they lose, and then they realize, no, that's not what I want, and they get back up, and then they get stronger. That's also part of getting stronger. Getting stronger doesn't mean you're always going to be Ayman bin Nisayan. It's great if you can be Ayman bin Nisayan and you can stick to your rules, but sometimes in the growth process, you are going to get a little bit, you're going to try this, try that, but at the bottom line is, after you try it a few times, you're going to realize, that's not what I want. That's not what I want, even if it's accessible. Even if I have the TV in my brother's room, but and I could, but that's not what I want to be. It's not the, the life that I want for myself. Right, also, yeah, no, you can finish. Oh, it's probably harder when someone has, like, he was always considered normal. Like, I mean, my brother was never normal, so he, he was always the strangest in the family. So, anything so you're not jealous of him. So, no one's jealous of anything. Well, but some things, like an iPhone or something, those things aren't so strange. He's coming along with the whole package. If I would have wanted, I would have got it somewhere else. No one's telling me no. Good. Because he has it because he's strange. No what about your six other younger siblings? Do you feel that they're losing out by having a boy in the house walking around in his underwear or whatever he wears? No? Nobody else started walking around in their underwear? No, they don't flinch. They think he's so weird. They don't flinch and they think he's weird. Right. See, that's an, an interesting thing that I found for the people who are here in the beginning. Give it some time. You'll see. It takes a little bit of time. When we are arguing with them, it affects the whole family. Once we just accept them, it's just, it doesn't even affect us. You, you can have 
30 people sitting around the Shabbos table. Right in the middle, you have some guy in his undershirt. And it's just like, it doesn't even have any effect once, right? Two years ago, it would have been like, are you normal? Like, why, like, why is it the table? Get him away. Like, you don't have to be at the Shabbos table. Now it's like, at least he's up there. Right. And, and nobody started going around in their undershirts. Nobody started. <laughs> you never feel like you want to just come to the Shabbos table in your underwear? Just never? A little bit sometimes? You could be honest. We're all friends here. Be honest. You never want to come. We're all good. Okay. Seriously, I know your father. Does your father come down sometimes in his undershirt? No, because once you realize this kid is different, he's going through a hard time. We we're we're, we're going to be makayr of him with love. We don't want to be like him, and we shower him with gifts, but we don't want those gifts. If you can get to that level of maturity, you'll realize that you're not going to lose out anything by it. Okay. So I took my sister to Florida, and my brother was like, I don't care because like, I know he needs it, she needs it. And my brother was all jealous, and he was yelling, he was like, the night before, he's like, he wanted to go along. And my mother said, like, they don't get along with each other, so whatever. So my mother might, like, they might do a trip in the summer, but like... Your brother's a kip. Your sister's a kip. So your, bro- your kip brother, the other, see, that's what you're saying. You're saying the kip brother was all jealous after everything your parents did to him, for him. Right? They go crazy for him. They gave him so much. So, like, I wouldn't be jealous of But you're not going to be jealous of what she's getting. Why? Because they always... They, I see that they're so unhappy because they always need more things. Like. Oh, that's another Nakuda. They're so unhappy because they need... They always need more things. They're not happy when they get the things. Like. They're not happy when they get the things. So, therefore, you think to yourself, I don't want to be like them because I won't be happy because you get all that stuff and you're not happy anyway. Because right? they're never happy, even and because they're unhappy, and that you also probably learned a lesson that you see that getting stuff does not give you happiness. So what does give you happiness? You have to start searching for it. But you know it's not all the stuff they're getting because here they are and they got all of it, and that they don't have happiness. That's an amazing lesson. We think that you know what's going to make people happy. I'm going to get a TV and an iPhone and an iPod and blah 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 blah, and then I'm going to be happy and you're looking at your brother or your sister who's getting all that stuff and more and they're still not happy so you're saying that's what you mean that you can learn a lesson from that to realize that pursuing those things does not make a person he's happy okay yeah very good yeah I understand like all the present things that show them love and everything but Something that you give them is not really good for them. Let's say like TV could make them even worse, or like buy them a pack of cigarettes or whatever. It's not good for them. Oh, good question. So part of TP is to give stuff that's not good for them. I'll explain to you why. But the question is a good question. I just the reason I'm saying the question is a good question. I want you to realize your your thinking is normal. Like that's the normal thinking. Okay. First of all, we don't go to someone who does not smoke and buy them cigarettes. So it's not like we're giving them something that they don't have, that they don't want. Okay, it's interesting. I don't think anybody ever went off the derech and didn't smoke. It's like, like part of the your brother. My brother smoked once, and I don't smoke. Very rare, very rare. Okay, so their brother, it, they're not going to go and buy him a pack of cigarettes. By the way, if you did, he wouldn't start smoking anyway. He would say, "Why are you giving this to me?" That's what people don't understand. They're not going to do something bad because you give it to them. 
right? If you go to her brother who's not who's anti-smoking and you say, and the parents say, oh, happy birthday to you. We got you a carton of cigarettes, right? He's going to be like, why would you? I don't smoke. So they're not smoking because we give them cigarettes. That's number one. Number two, they're not stopping because we tell them not to smoke. I have a statistic. 100% of kids who smoke have parents who tell them, please don't smoke. You know, they all have parents who, when they start smoking, the parents are against them. Even if the parents smoke, they say, but I don't, you're not allowed to smoke. And they smoke anyway. So now the question is, what happens when I give the cigarette to the kid who's smoking anyway? Am I hurting them? Am I neutral? Not hurting or not losing? Or, or, am, I, or, or am I making them better? That's the, that's the question. So let me break it down for you. First of all, I'm not hurting them because they're smoking anyway. So people say, yeah, but you can't give somebody something that can hurt them. But you're not really hurting them because they were going to smoke anyway. Just, I'm buying it for you. So you're having the same pack of cigarettes. They're not going to smoke more because I'm buying the cigarette, right? So I didn't really hurt them. So there's really no downside. Then there's the neutral. Maybe I'm not hurting them. Maybe I'm not benefiting. But then there's the benefit. The benefit is that if I'm buying you the cigarettes, even though right now it's bad for you, you feel, what do you, what is, what do you feel? What do you feel if I'm buying you cigarettes and you're smoking? Grateful. Feel grateful. Now, it would be great if I can get this kid to feel grateful by buying him something normal, like a Rambam, a Shas, a new hat. That would be great. But I want him to feel grateful. I want him to feel that I support him. And he's not going to feel that if I get him anything normal. But when I give him the cigarettes, he feels grateful. He feels supported, which then allows me to have a much deeper relationship with him. And if that is what's going to stop the pain, then that's a very good investment. Because it saves drugs. It saves Chil Shabbos. But I have a big secret for you. You know what else it says? Anybody know? Yeah, their lives, that's true too. But even besides for all those huge things, you know what else it says? Cigarettes. Smoking. Smoking. I have a statistic for you. We have hundreds of kids who quit smoking here when the parents are buying the cigarettes. Much more than anybody else. Because what happens is, not only does it not make you smoke, which we already discussed before, it does not make you smoke, but it actually makes you not need the cigarette. When their life's better and their connection is better, they also quit smoking cigarettes. And from the parents who were here for a long time, they'll say, my kid quit weed, my kid quit smoking cigarettes. Why? You're supplying it. So my chedesh is that when you supply the thing, not only it doesn't make them worse, it actually makes them better and stop the thing that you didn't want so I had a mother who came to me, and her father died of lung cancer from cigarettes. And her son started smoking. So she was going crazy. Her 16-year-old son is starting to smoke, and her father died of lung cancer. She was going nuts. She was fighting. She was breaking the cigarettes. She was, she was doing everything against it. So I told her, do you want him to stop smoking? She said, yeah, of course. I said, okay. So there's a special cigarette that you can buy for him. And that cigarette, over the course of a year, by buying that type of cigarettes, will get him to quit smoking. Would you buy it? She said, of course I would. I said, the name of that cigarette is Cigarettes Bought by Mommy. 
I said, if you buy the cigarettes for the kid, there's a kayak in that cigarette. There's a power, a secret weapon in there that for some reason will cause the kids to not smoke. And I have so many, so many, so many, so many parents who say that that's true. Right? So it doesn't hurt the kid, as we said before, smoking anyway. Might as well feel grateful for me, which is the medicine to save them from not taking their lives and fighting their big battles. Didn't lose anything. But the real thing is that not only we gain the big stuff, we even gain that they quit smoking much earlier because they feel that support. They don't need it. They think about themselves. But let's say the TV, they wouldn't just call it Okay, good. I, I know I didn't address the TV question. You're sharp. I knew I wasn't going to get away with that. And I was addressing first the thing. Do you want comment first and then I'm going to address okay. the TV? Um, my mother said it's because when they become a kid, they want to um, be like, like opposite. They want to like fight against you. So once you show them that you're, you're supporting whatever they do, the ones that helps. Like my brother, he wanted to, like, when he went to, I saw, like, um, in his yeshiva, they told him, like, you have to finish something and then we'll, like, accept you. So he was like, I don't know if I'm able to do it. Like, he was talking to my mother, and he was like, so what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know, I mentioned, like, well, I'm going to look at it, and I'll, like, tell them I did it. And he was like, okay, if that's what you want, do it. And then he was like, like, he didn't want to do it because my mother, like, let him do it. What she's saying is that when they're in this mode of rebellion, everything is lahachas. Everything is a fight. In spite. I got to show myself. I got to show. So when you support them, then that falls apart. And then a year or two later, there's nobody... I never had, they never had a fight. They never called that song. They never called show. We give in to them. And then they start to think, uh, what about me? What do I really want? Do I really want to smoke? Do I really need this? As long as they're fighting, they never get to that stage. Very, very true. The next part of her question was, but what about TV? The reason why we buy Kip's TVs in the house is for several reasons. Number one, first of all, does anybody have their own reasons why? Can anybody think about why? So, like, let's say they'll go and watch TV with, like, their friends and, like, everything. Like, they just do it at home and everything is just, like, in a normal place. Like, they don't have to go, like, in the streets and... Normal, normal place that they're going to have a home to bring their friends to. So instead of them going to a bar or to somebody else's crazy place, they're at home. And we want them at home. Because at home, even though it's hard for us to have all these crazy kids at home, but the worse they are at home, listen carefully, the worse they behave at home with the cursing and whatever, the worst, that's the best when they're out on the street. Cop, the worse they are, they're walking around and they're smoking and they're cursing and they're not nice and they're not sneeze and whatever. Once they're on the street or they go somewhere else, that's their best. It just goes straight down, 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 down after that. Okay? So we want them home. Come with your friends. Oops. Come with your friends and watch here and enjoy yourself here and, and everything here because if they're here for the next two years, you end up with a much better ending two years from now. Yeah, you wanted to say? I was going to say the same thing. Like you're safe in your bedroom watching instead. Right. So here's, here's the thing. First thing is about television is that all these kids have access to much worse stuff on their phones and on their computers. So the television is not like giving them access to watching bad stuff that they don't have. That's a very important fact. But what it does is it gives them a place. I'll give you an example. Every guy has, has a cell phone and an iPhone and an iPad and everything. But every guy, what's the first thing they buy when they move out to their own apartment? They move away from home. They get an apartment. What do they buy? A big TV. Why? Because it's there. It's on. It's just on. It's just there. It's just a part of that's what you want. 
So when kips have the TV in their house, they end up spending tons more time home. It means they'll end up in bed, and it's like it's like they're hooked up to this machine, like this respirator. And go and they click and they go and they click. And a lot of times, Matzah Shabbos, they're home, and you know what? I got a comfortable bed with a fluffy mattress. My sisters come in and bring me popcorn, and they give me massage my feet, and everything's good. I could smoke in my room. And then the friends are like, yeah, we're going out. It's like, well, they're lazy. Like, oh, I'll just sit here. I'll watch. My father comes in, watches with me. My mother. They end up spending hundreds of hours at home that they wouldn't have. I call TV invisible handcuffs. Well, we have to. We, we want to give that. We want to show them that we support them. So, if he's living away from home, and we buy the TV, then every minute that he's watching that TV, he knows this is from my parents who care about me, and we get him a better TV than he could have afforded and a cooler one. So, all the friends come and say, "Whoa, how'd you get that? My tati bought it for me." Oh, wow, you have a tati that cares about you. You're not alone. We have other kids who are, have no tati. We have other kids going from place to place, and they have no tati that cares about them. Now, it's not really true. The tati really does care about them and cries for them and loves them, right, and wants them to do tshuva, and will buy him a bekesha, and will buy him a svarim, and will buy him all the stuff that he needs. We'll buy him tzitzis, the best tzitzis in the world. But right now, this kid is not interested in that, and the father's not interested in any of that. And this kid feels, I have a father that doesn't care about me. There's a, there's a girl right now, this family right now in Bar Park, that there, there are so many stories of kids floating around. They feel that their family doesn't care about them. So if you buy this TV, even though he's not home, but he knows my parents care about me, this is what I want, and they care about me, so he's not homeless anymore. He's not an orphan. He's not a yasum. He doesn't have to feel like, I don't have parents who care about me. Which wouldn't be true because they do care about him, but he needs, they need to feel where they are that my parents care about me. So by buying the TV, even if he's not home, we do it for that. But really we want them home and we want them watching TV in our home with their friends in our home. Because if you do that for five years, you look five years down the road, you have a much better ending than the other kids who are not home and they're on the street and they get into much bigger trouble and crime and drugs and all kinds of bad stuff. Well, you shouldn't do that. We have to know. We don't want to make them feel like a neb. You, it, you have. I don't, I don't know who you are. So it's a brother or a sister. Sister. Two sisters. They feel nebby. Not anymore, but uh, now, like you know more. Oh, you wear that? Yeah. Got it. No. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. Now I know who you are, and I can help you. Yeah, hundred percent. So, do your sisters feel like nebs? No, they used to be. They didn't know like how to make them feel like good about themselves. They used to, you know, they want, but they felt like a neb because like a neb. But now it's better. Yeah. 
Okay, sometimes in the process it's an adjustment. Some kids respond beautifully to this whole mishigas, this whole craziness, and some kids don't. Some kids, you know, some kids feel like a nev and some kids don't. That's all part of it. Also, some parents are, are better at figuring this out, some parents are not. It's like anything, any kind of other medicine also. We have to fool around with it till we get it right. But that's definitely true. We don't want to do things for them that they're going to feel like a neb. We want them to feel supported and loved. But here's the thing to remember. There are a lot of parents dealing with this terrible situation that make mistakes. At least in this room, the mistakes that we make is that we gave too many gifts, the wrong gift, they felt like a neb. These are much better mistakes than the parents who lock their kids out of the house and it's freezing outside and they make those mistakes and they put them in jail. We have parents who, who not in this group, but other parents who put their kids in jail, call the police on them. So our mistakes are, I bought you the wrong guy, uh, I bought you too much of a thing, you feel like a nab. You know, those are also pretty good mistakes. Um, if there's, is the pain that needs involved there, like what happens to that pain all of a sudden they become better? Excellent question. Okay, so we'll, let's go. Great question. They, let's say they have a knife inside of them, right? They have a knife inside of them. They're stabbed. Oh, wow, time flies. We have the boys coming at 7, so we're going to have to end in a few minutes. Um, let's say the, the person has a pain. First thing is that they're acting not nice, so usually the parents turn on them. Then they have a whole new pain that their parents hate them and their brothers and sisters hate them and want them to die and get rid of them and then they're homeless and then they go from couch to couch and they end up on drugs and and they go through this other few years of pain in addition to the reason that they started acting cuckoo to begin with. Now let's go three, four years later, okay, where they, they finally go for help and then they spend two, three years talking about the pain of the this pain, which was not even the original pain, Right? The pain of all oh, my parents don't like me and I, and I was slept on the street and then I got involved with this drug and I got involved with this gang and all this stuff. And then four years later, eight years later, they start talking about their real pain. So what we're doing is like this. First of all, we're not hurting them. By not hurting them, we're not giving them extra pain, which could take years of feeling unloved, like nobody cares about me, nobody understands me which makes them go on the street, which makes them live in different places, which gives them all kinds of other problems that Baruch Hashem our kids don't have. Then it, it brings earlier to the point that they say, I need help. That's what we wait for. Sometimes we wait for years. Sometimes we wait for three years, four years, and the kid says, I need help. Then when they go for help, they're going for the real help, not for the fake help. Chap. And not only not for the fake help, but they're going for help feeling tremendous amount of support from their parents and family, which those other kids who go for help don't have. So they go in not talking years about my parents are different and they're Hasidish or they're yeshivish and I'm alone and in the world nobody cares about me and all that extra pain they don't have, plus they go in feeling supported. But yes, as much as we're doing and we do so much for them, there's that knife inside of them that started this whole story and that they're going to have to find somebody to take that knife out in therapy or in some kind of a place that, that deals with this type of emotional pain, emotional knife that's inside of them, you're 100% right. So we're limited what we can do. It's very life-altering, very life-changing what we're doing. It's very important because we can mamish put them, by giving them pressure and pain and making them feel different, we can put them into a world where they can't exist and they overdose and they have all kinds of problems. Yes, we're, we're doing very important work, but at the end of the day... The pain that started off this whole thing is still inside of them and we're not healing them. 
That we have to daven very, very much that Hashem should heal them. We're going to end with this. There was a very big tzaddik called the Ber Maim Chaim. The Ber Maim Chaim wrote also another sefer called Sudurei Shel Shabbos. It was Reb Chaim Chernovitz. Reb Chaim Chernovitz had a son. And his son's name was Kalman. And Kalman was a Mechal Shabbos Befahesia. You know what that means? He was smoking on Shabbos. He ate Treif, pass it down just to the first row. He ate Treif on Shabbos. Ate Treif, Mechal Shabbos, smoked on Shabbos. Did all these Averis. Okay? And really, we should make the ladies' group, the, the girls' group, for four hours and the boys' group for half an hour because they said nobody talks. I have to deal with a bunch of boys looking at me like. Okay? She's Mechal Shabbos Befahesia. And it's a horrible thing. How did his father treat him? He gave him taiv and chesed. Good stuff. Amazing. He bought him stuff. I don't think he got him a TV or an iPad, but he bought him stuff and he treated him like royalty. And as chesedim is, and they said, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why are you being so nice to him? He's Mechal Shabbos. He's going against everything. I mean, this is a, a Rebbe that wrote a book, Sidur Eshel Shabbos, on the holiness of Shabbos, and his son is smoking a cigarette on Shabbos. How horrible is that? And you know what he answered? He said, every morning I wake up and I say a tefillah. And this is the tefillah that we're going to say now. I say, Hashem, look at how I am dealing with my son. He's not doing what I want. Do I get angry at him? What do I do? Do I get angry at him? Do I throw him out? No. I give him taiv v'chesed. I give him good stuff. Says Hashem, if I can do it to my son, and I'm just a regular human, then you can do it, Hashem, to your children. And with that, he was davening that Hashem should give taiv and chesed to all the Jews in Klal Yisrael, even if they didn't deserve it. Because normally, if you're going to ask for somebody to have something, a bracha that they don't deserve, then Hashem's going to say, I'm not giving it to them, they don't deserve it. But he was able to say, Hashem, who cares if they deserve it or not? Look, I'm their father, you're their father, and I, I look what I give him, my kid, he doesn't deserve it. So by doing extra, and going with Neymashur Sedim, by giving to his child what he doesn't deserve, he was able to twist Hashem's arm, so to speak, and force Hashem to give goodies to all kinds of Jews, even if they don't deserve it, which is what Sadiqim always did. Tzadikim always went ahead and davened Hashem give to them even though they're doing Averis. The Rishayim or the Ketanim, small people, they say, no, you're doing an Avera, we throw you out of the house. The Tzadikim always davened for everyone in Kali Yisrael, even if they, they're not worthy, they have Averis, but Hashem, please give them and heal them and take care of them. So you siblings, you skips, sisters of kids in pain, siblings of kids in pain, this is what you're doing. You could be angry, you could be jealous, you could fill your life with negativity, with pain. Or you can go ahead and you could shine your smiles and not be jealous and use your midos tovos to go through this and to realize my brother or my sister is in pain. I don't want to be like them. I don't want the medicine. You can go to your parents and say, Tati, Mommy, big hug. Because I want you to realize everything that they're doing for your brother or sister, they would do for you if chas v'shalom you needed it. Or if you needed something else, chas v'shalom, you were sick, you have the best parents in the world who will bend over backwards. You see what they're giving up? They're giving up their reputation and going in the streets. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing and costs a lot of money. 
they're taking care of your sibling, means that that's what they would do for you if chas v'shalom, you ever needed anything, right? But you now are also going to be an amazing sister to this kid in pain by loving them, by texting them if you have text, by WhatsApping if you have WhatsApp, by baking if you have an oven, by buying stuff if you have money, anything that you have access to. And if you don't have anything, you have a smile. Nobody could take that away, right? Nobody could take away your smile. Remember what I told you? That we get, when you give tzedakah, you get back in return. Ramesha Feinstein said that not just money do you get back more than you give, but time. You're supposed to give time to Meiser. You give 10% of your time to help people. And I say you give 10% of your smiles. Hashem gives you 10 smiles, give one away. Give one to someone who needs a smile. What's nice is you'll be smiling also. You don't actually lose. Okay, when you're nice and you smile and you're calm and you don't complain, you say, "Listen, this kid, I'm going to daven for them. I'm sure you're all davening for your brothers and sisters. Daven for them. They should have refuah shalema. Daven for your parents that they should have the money and the time and the effort and the seichel to deal with it. Because most of these kids are coming back. Most of these kids are coming back. Almost every month, we have another kid gets married from." Just this week, I went to an engagement of a kid six years ago. It was Machal Shabbos. was just like all of this stuff. And he's mamish, he's from, he's erlich, he's chasidish, like his parents. He gets such a tzniyistik, a wife. It's so beautiful. Fully from. So this is happening all the time. It just, you got to have a lot of patience. And you got to trust. And you got to work on your omidos. So this is the tefillah that the Bermaim Chaim said for his son. And we're all going to say this. And you guys can go ahead in your tefillah, and you can say, Hashem, look what I am doing for my brother or for my sister. Nobody knows, nobody cares. I'm giving and giving and giving, and I don't have to. I'm being nice, and I'm being mavater. I'm giving up for my sister. I'm working on my midos. I'm not going to look down at them. It's unbelievable what you guys are doing. I think the last girl to do that for her sister was... Who's a famous, famous girl to help out her sister when she didn't need to? Rachel Imenu. You guys are the new Rachel Imenus of this century. You are. Because Rachel Imenu had no reason to go ahead and help out her sister. She just said, I don't want my sister to get embarrassed. I know that she's going through this hard time now. I'm going to be there for her. And all of a sudden, you are the new Rachel Imenus. You're giving up for no reason other than you want, you care about your brother or your sister, that they should be happy and healthy and come back to Hashem and have a normal, healthy life. And you give up more than I will ever know and more than anyone will ever know. But you know who knows? Hashem. Hashem knows how you give up. And you say, it's okay, you could sit in the front seat. How many times did you go traveling with your sister and she sat in the front seat? Eight million. Sometimes it should be your turn, no? No. I'm a vater. Let my sister be healthy. I remember a story of you many years ago that they were going to your grandparents for before Shoshana, four years ago maybe? Okay? We need a couple more minutes, like five minutes. Thanks. We're going, and your parents told you that Bobby and Zadie are going to give your sister who's four years older than you, five years older than you, four years older than you. Bobby and Zadie are going to give your sister a lot of attention. Don't be jealous. And you said, remember? She needs it. It's okay. Bobby and Zadie can give her the attention, give her the wow, right? Yes, she gets a round of applause for that. Okay? That's very mature. You walk into Bobby and Zaidi and you get high and then, oh, oh, and gifts and cookies and you said, and you were only 12 years old, she needs it. And you were right. She does need it. 
So you tell Hashem, listen, Hashem, it's okay, I don't need it. I don't need it. Give it to my sister, give it to my brother. Tell your parents, okay, give them, give them, I'll be fine. And work on yourself to be strong, to always daven for your family. And we'll say this tefillah out loud together, and you're going to daven that Hashem, you say, Hashem, if I could do this for my brother, for my sister, you can do this for all of your children in Klai Yisrael who need you. Okay? In this case, we're going to say, even though he doesn't follow the right path, and he chesed. I just treat him and her so nicely. I'm just a regular person. It's so hard for me. How much more so for you, Hashem, our merciful Father. You are good. You're giving. You're generous. Certainly, it's proper for you to treat your children this way. Even though, if they're not listening to you, they're rebelling against you, you can learn from me. If I can do it, then you can do it, Hashem. This is a tefillah of the Chazanish to help that all these kids should come back and do tshuva. Say your brother or sister's name and your mother's name. Yeah, I'll read the Hebrew, and you can read the English as I go along. Okay, everybody, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Take care. You can put these back in here.